This podcast explores explicit and adult-themed content. If discussions of sex or male bondage offend you, or if you are under the age of 18, you should not continue listening to this episode or future episodes of The Bondage Gaze. By continuing to listen, you acknowledge that you are at least 18 years old and aren't offended by discussions of male bondage, sex, pornography, or other kinds of content with sexual themes. Welcome back to The Bondage Gaze. I'm Nat. And I'm Sammy. And once again, we're joined by James. Scott on, Scott. Scott on. <laughs> For all the non-Australian listeners, that was, how are you today, friend? Yes, it is one word written S-C-A-R-N-O-N. Scan on. Which is, what's going on? But we say it in a weird way that it sounds like, scan on. <laughs> we are an interesting bunch of people. It's kind of like Southern people in the US, like Wichita or things kind of like that. Okay, guys, so we need to pick things up where we left off last week. James, you shared a pretty heavy story with us. So let's have a quick recap and then we'll share our thoughts. There was this guy nearby on Grinder, and he's like, I want to feed you. Come to this address. I go to this place and he puts 500 Australian dollars in my hand and says, go to McDonald's. I want you to, I want to see you eat all of it. Over the course of a semester, I get about three grand out of this man. But then at one stage, the money stopped and he stopped being in contact. And I was a bit like, okay, well, maybe he finally sobered up and realized what he was doing and he fucked off. Six to nine months later, there was a guy on Growler. We got on really, really well. He was a really, really nice guy and we're getting to know each other and he tells me he's been with his partner. They've broken up not too long ago, but they keep getting back together and this guy has had to be medicalized because there was this incident that occurred and he's finding it difficult to trust his partner and there's all this whoop-de-woo going on, right? And me being the caring friend wanting to learn more about this person goes, oh, tell me more about it, you know? And he says, well, I have a business and over the course of like six months, about $3,000 went missing from my business and I don't know where it went. And the chills started going down my spine. He starts to tell me like, I was dating this guy, this is his name. What's the name of the feeder? This money went missing and I was sure that it must have been him, but he convinced me that it must have been me. And so now I'm on a medical mandate to be on these like mind drugs because I'm having psychosis because this is like fucking with me. And I'd like managed to stalk the feeder. And so I was like, does he own a business in this suburb? And he was like, yeah, he does. How did you know that? And so I told him everything. And so I started going through the timeline with him and then he would interject and say, that was when I went off and I did this. And then he paused again and he said, I want to ask, will you come to court and testify for me? And I said, yes. So I actually had a fucking L Woods moment where my new friend is there, Vita is there, and I walk in and the color in his face just goes. And I was just honest and said, this is what happened. As a result of this, he was court mandated to pay him back the damages plus extra, which he did. And that guy and I are now still good friends to this day. God. What a fucking cunt isn't even a strong enough word. To fucking do that to someone, let them think they're going insane. Oh, there's just no words. Yeah. And I mean, because when you started the story, something I immediately started thinking of is, I feel like, especially for kinksters, a lot of us have been taken advantage of when we were young, because there's always going to be an older kinkster who's like into like the same thing as you. But then it's like, okay, I can get away with shit because you're young, you're dumb, you don't have a backbone. You know, and then yeah, and then 
and this is just like a whole other level with him doing this like gaslighting this other like poor man like making him go crazy thinking that he's going crazy yeah i mean look i can happily report you know he's obviously been off those mind-altering drugs since then he's in a fantastic relationship that he's been in now for several years i believe they're engaged i think they may even be getting married early next year and he's living the fruitful life that he's always deserved to live you know so i do want to put it out there that in terms of this story and the narrative that ended up happening for the right people there's been some great stuff happening and that's of course fantastic but honestly the reason i share that story is exactly what you were kind of hinting at it's like yes there's this fabulous element of oh i'm a sugar baby i'm getting free money i don't have to do anything for it it's fulfilling my kink and desire but there is some very real world ramifications about money and about sexual enterprise that i think a lot of people don't really think through and this is why i do feel like numbers of people in our communities end up getting scammed by random people why a lot of people find themselves in financially dependent or dangerous situations because we find ourselves so keen and eager to fulfill these fantasies that everyone talks about we're very good at talking about the fantasy but we are fucking rubbish at talking about the factual reality of an ongoing financial relationship we are terrible at talking about like the potential costs and the potential risks not to scare people and not to put people off but to give people information so that they can make the best decision for them because as much as i wouldn't change that story for the fact that it's an exciting thing that happened in my life i still think that if i could go back in time and give some advice to my younger self i would have made different decisions early on like just hitting block on his number and going on with my life and not ever having found myself in a situation where had other people been involved it could have been very dangerous for me so it's very important i think especially when we have conversations around kink to talk about potential dangers and mitigating those yeah i'm just thinking if it wasn't you it would have been someone else right i see 100 where you're coming from but at the same time he was gonna do that fucked up shit regardless i don't know it's just clearly that guy was fucked i mean sammy you probably understand this being a kinkster in australia there is quite a high proportion of people that are fucked in my experience and that's not kink shaming that's country town australia shaming (laughs) to this day i think we'll have slept with more married heterosexual men than openly out gay men because there's just so much of that in australia and there were plenty of non-kink related situations that I found myself in. Like there was this one time I went back to a guy's place. He had his face up on Grinder. He was hotter in person, which never happens. And I was like, oh my God, this is gonna be great. And we went and I gave him head and I started to crawl up the bed like, oh, now I'm about to get sucked off. But while I'm doing that, he like pulls out the wedding photo because of course he's married to a woman. And he's like, you know, giving me the whole, okay, this was great, but you you need to go. And then the door handle starts to turn. <laughs> so I roll off the bed onto hardwood floor on my face, by the way. This is pre-gains. So I'm 45 kilos of bone, bone in a skin sack, just clattering to the ground like someone's dropped bone china. And then I reach over and grab my bag and my clothes, which are folded neatly on top because I am always very neat with these situations. I roll under the bed when the door flings open and she's standing there buck naked and drunk off her face. And she's like slurring her words like, when I come on, you big boy. And he's obviously like, naked on the bed still with a hard dick covered in cum and he's like yeah clearly i was waiting for you to come home too babe um they fuck while i'm under the bed (laughs) 
and I mean, listeners, you can't see this, but like the mattress is just like, nyeh, 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 like away from my face. Like that's distressing. And because I'm like uber thin at that stage, thank God, I'm like trying to like get dressed by like pulling my shirt over my head and like body rolling as I'm like pulling it down. I'm covered in cum and dust bunnies. I'm covered in cummies. Like it's not pleasant. Um, and I managed to get everything on bar my shoes, right? And so at that point, I'm like ready to just like go away when the opportunity presents itself. And of course, it's like it's a master bedroom, right? So there's like the door into the room and there's the door into the ensuite and the ensuite's open. And okay, also, I'm not like straight shaming here, but like, I swear to you, they made this noise at some stage during coitus. It was like it was horrifying. And I think that if at that moment there was ever a, a curiosity of feminine sex was truly destroyed in that moment. <laughs> there goes my last lingering thread of heterosexuality. That was absolutely it. Mm, jump, jump. Mama's gonna get you a nice rock. Mm. <laughs> Love a Patty and Selma. So anyway, they finish, and then she clambers off and, like, stands up on the floor to clearly go wash herself off, and that's gonna be my moment. She then slips, falls flat on her face, and I'm frozen because if she does the logical thing and, like, flubber, flubber, flubber on her stomach to, like, grab at the bed frame to pull herself up, she's gonna see me under the bed. <laughs> but she doesn't. She crawls on her belly into the bathroom, leaving a trail of cum slime, by the way. So she's just, like, slugging it out. And then she starts throwing up everywhere. And that's my moment where I, like, roll out from under the bed, chuck my shoes on, stare at this man, and I'm like, if you ever fucking talk to me again, I will fucking cut your balls off. And I think he actually had a panic attack because I think in that moment he'd forgotten that I was still there. And then I leave and I notice there's an open door like right across the hall where his daughter's asleep and it's got like the pretty pink princess castle motif on the wall and everything. And I'm like, how did I fucking miss this? And it's because I wanted the dick real bad and I ignored every red flag and that's my toxic gay trait. Wow. <laughs> when you think the story's over... <laughs> See, I think my most scandalous moments in that regard were, one, the guy who met me after work. It was really lame. I had a roll of tape. I think he put some on my mouth, but didn't tie me up or anything. He was also wearing this frilly pink G-string, which I found a little bit, I don't know, like each to their own, but it wasn't my thing. I found it kind of off-putting. He seemed like that stereotypical, like, late 40s, stoner, drunk kind of guy. And then he dropped me off at the train station. As we were driving out of his street, he gave me his cap. He's like, put that on so people think you're my son. This is really getting awkward. <laughs> but I've never had a woman walking on me. I've never had to track through a trail of cummies. There was one guy. And he was gay. He was just being... He wasn't closeted or anything. He was just being a dick. We were friends. And he's like, oh, come over. And I came over. We were chatting. We ended up fucking. I spent the night. And that morning, about 6am, I think, I went to leave. And his gate was locked. And he's like... Just fucking jump it. Do something manly in your life for once. So here I am trying to fucking climb this gate at 6 a.m. Babe, that's not, that is not the vibe at all. There's the walk of shame, but this man is like the the break and entry of, of vindication. Like, what is that? Like, no, open the gate, you fucking asshole. Yeah, he was a bit of a dick. Look, he was hot at the time. He was probably the best looking guy I'd been with. But he made a comment after I'd, he'd fucked me. He's like, oh, you're so proud of yourself now, aren't you? What? Oh, no. That just was like instant. No, nah, fuck you. You've just made yourself like a thousand times less attractive. Side note with him. We didn't have a falling out, but he ended up either blocking me or unfriending me on Facebook. We were part of a friend group. And like, I met this friend group through my ex at the time. There's an, another side note. 
So we'll call this guy, I don't know. Call him Ted. We'll call this guy Ted. So Ted, being the conventionally attractive guy, my ex hit on Ted while we were still in a relationship. I was working night shifts, so I wasn't there. It was at the gay club everyone in my town frequented. And it was one of the friends that said, your ex tried to hit on Ted. Ted pushed him away. And at that point, I was already planning on breaking up with him. I was like, look, I'm not going to use that as justification because, you know, people tend to spread rumors. I don't know if it's true. I can't verify it. Anyway, after we'd broken up, I said to Ted, I'm like, okay, so did my ex try to hit on you? And he said to me, I won't verify it one way or another, but just know that I pushed him away. Well, you know what? My dear old ex, guess which one of us fucked Ted? It wasn't you. (laughs) No, Ted and I had a falling out because, and it was a dig at the same friend group. He was like, oh, I just had a dinner party tonight. It was so nice being around calm people who weren't trying to cause drama. And I commented on it. I couldn't help myself. I was like, is that not what you're doing with this status? (laughs) He didn't like that. He blocked me or he at the very least unfriended me. And that was it with him. Well, it doesn't sound like you're missing out on anything with a guy like that. Like, I just, ugh. No. Guys with dickish personalities. I mean... He had a nice body. He had a huge dick. But for one, he was just way too, like, go, 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 like, energizer bunny. It was just going too fast, too hard. And it just, it wasn't it. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't it. You know, some guys identify as tops and bottoms. I'm a, I'm a slow cooker. <laughs> if you want the meat real good, you got to go low and slow, baby. you got to go, and you got to do it for at least eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. That's, a, that's also, like, to, to, to kind of bring it back to gaining a bit, like, that's another thing. People try to fuck fatties, like, oh, I can just do what I do to a skinny person. No, sis. Like, I can't be on my knees. That's painful. I can't be on my feet. That painful. That fucking... My feet hurt. Put me on my back. Put me on my side. And treat me nicely. Also, doesn't matter how big your dick is. My ass is pretty bodacious. As is most fat people's. So, think about maybe using a toy. If you really want to fuck a fatty in the butt. Like, that might be the most feasible way of doing things. Rather than complaining that my ass cheeks are too unwieldy for your ability to manage. Just being aware. Also, like, fatties, we sweat like every everyone else but also we do sweat in like places that are different because we have literal places on our body that you don't like the overhang or the under boob or like the shelf behind the ass you know or like the thigh dimples it's like that shit sweats way more for fats than it does for thins and it's like if you're gonna get weird about that go away it's just a thing that happens also everyone sweats anyways so get over that too i feel i feel like it's the same kind of critique like women who have arm hair and leg hair ugh, gross. like fuck off some people have it let people have what their bodies have given them and just be quiet go away <laughs> yeah there was a guy and he was probably the biggest guy i've been with i do remember he was on top of me and he was dripping like he was dripping on me mm-hmm. i remember it but at the same time i was getting good i was getting some dick i was tied up while i was getting some dick so it was still a good session i didn't care for the droplets of sweat but it didn't take away from the amazing sex amazing bondage yeah you know fat people be fucking fat people be out here doing things please don't be surprised by that but also when fat people ask for accommodations may Things like put down a towel. Let's have a shower beforehand and after. Let's relax. Let's not do things on our knees. Maybe I am shaped in such a way where I need to sit on the edge of the bed in order to enjoy oral sex. Or you need to sit on the edge of the bed while I position myself. Just be considerate of that because different bodies need different things. That also includes if you have sex with people who have different physical disabilities. Like people
people with disabilities be fucking just accommodate where appropriate. Yeah. You've got to tailor make your experience depending on the person. Mm. That's everyone. Everyone has different preferences. It's not about different body sizes or body shapes or whatever. Everyone has something they like. And you try to do what you can do to achieve maximum enjoyment for every party involved. Why is it any different if the person is heavier than the standard that you would normally be with? 100%. Sex should never just be about you having your pleasure. It should be about ensuring whoever your partner is, whether they are ongoing or just for the night, making sure that they also have their pleasure too. Yeah. Don't be a selfish ass. <laughs> yeah. Unless your whole kink is having a selfish ass, in which case you need to find a giving groin to complement that. <laughs> and you need to talk about that and make sure that that's all matched up appropriately. Because like what you mentioned before about like the guy who rocked up with like the lace panty, right? Like obviously that's not like such a such an incumbent that it was like a destroyer of the situation. But I feel like we've all probably had plenty of instances where someone has shown up and like tried to like drop a fetish into the chat that wasn't there before. And it's like a no, you can't intro that here. This is too much. This is not going to work. You need to talk about that and get consent. Like it's always good to clear shit with people. Like just do that. Let's not have any of those kinds of surprises, you know? And that's a consensual, non-consensual surprise. In which case it's consensual and it's fine. But don't drop things on people. Just disclose your wants and needs. Then people can meet them. Yeah, look, I didn't mind that he was wearing fucking these frilly pink panties. It was the fact that it was, as a whole, pretty much a negative experience all around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. I hope this isn't a polarising question, but with even with the bondage, we preach, you know, you've got to be safe. You've got to be careful. Safety is number one priority. Is there anything you have to consider in terms of growing in a healthy manner? Mm, I like that question. Because I think that circles around to, you know, as I kind of said before, this is that thing, right, where it's like, you can say, oh, let's just have a conversation about gaining in fetism, but it's about fat. And if you're going to talk about fat, the whole world's affected by it. And there's a whole lot that doesn't go spoken about. So it just kind of invokes so many of these like pocket conversations that we found ourselves in, which has been fantastic, I think. Objectively, sure. But I think the conversation on health is one of the biggest things that people of science often have to navigate. Because oftentimes when we question health, we're questioning validity and we're questioning morality, right? Like when we say, you shouldn't smoke it's not healthy. Don't drink so much. It's not healthy. Objectively, we know this because of scientific reasoning. Full disclosure, when it comes to obesity, um, a lot of that needs to be unpacked because there's a lot of circular research on that. A lot of citations that showcase that fat is inherently bad. Uh, when you look at the research, it doesn't actually show that fat is bad. It just shows that fat is a correlation to the things that are unhealthy, which is not proof. That's like saying your cousin's a murderer, therefore you're a rapist. Like, no, that doesn't actually prove anything. It just means that I am unfortunately related to a murderer. Not pleasant, but still not indicative of anything that it's not actually indicative of, you know? And if you look at a lot of the source material regarding what is actually bad about fat, like what does fat actually do to the body that causes it to be dead or causes it to be unhealthy? And a lot of citations just kind of refer back to it is widely known that being fat is bad for you. So there's not actually evidence at this stage that to be fat actually causes bad things in your body at any point. And the things that are most often associated with being bad for you because you're fat, high blood pressure, diabetes, stuff like that, you can get when you're thin and you can also get by having had genetic history for it and have had it for no apparent reason. So if it's possible to get all of those things when you're not fat, then to get those things when you're fat doesn't prove that you got them because you're fat. So when you pull all that away, 
there is objectively nothing in this world that we know for fact at this time that fat actually makes you unhealthy, at least being fat alone. If you happen to be fat and have diabetes, maybe it's because you have a high calorie diet or do the things that cause you to have diabetes, but it's not necessarily because you're fat. So when there's conversations around health, for me, it's always got to come back to what is the purpose of health? Because if it's about living a healthier life because you happen to want to live in a way that is more healthy, then sure, you can totally do that. There are ways to gain on a vegan diet. There are ways to gain where you remove certain minerals and proteins because you can do that. Because of course, weight gain is not tied to one, any particular type of chemical or material, because if that was the case, they would have discovered one diet that makes you gain weight or lose weight. And then you would do it and then it would happen and it would happen consistently and it would work, but it doesn't. There's a reason why there are 50 million diets and each one of them is a variation of taking out different proteins and minerals and stuff because no one actually fucking knows what makes you lose weight. And same thing with like, the only reason why there's any kind of weight gain stuff is because it's all protein because it's focused on muscle because no one actually knows what makes you gain fat. So there's just a lot up in the air. And again, there's a, I think it's $40 billion, the health and wellness industry, or it might be more at this stage. Can't quite remember. But all that money comes from this generalized uncertainty and preying on people's like not actually knowing anything about health, which is no one's fault. Just no one does any research because people just rely on it being like widely known that fat is bad for you. Uh, it's a bit like the idea of women's orgasms. Like I know it's a, it's a fake story. There was that movie Hysteria that talks about like the invention of the dildo, which we the vibrator. Well, sorry, not the invention of the dildo, it was the invention of the vibrator. And there's that story about a doctor who was fingering women to relieve them of hysteria because it was believed that a woman couldn't experience orgasmic pleasure if it wasn't a penis going inside of them. So, so to stick a finger in and stimulate the same region didn't cause her to have an orgasm, it caused her to relieve her hysteria that she was clearly suffering from. And then there's cues of women down the street like, yeah, doctor, I've got hysteria, please put me in for a session. Like, it's this myth about how it all came about and it's not quite all that. But it is truth that there was some belief that women couldn't experience an orgasm if it wasn't a man's penis inside them. And then just no one bothered to, like, ask a woman or, like, test it because they just went, we already know about that. So there's a lot of that that kind of plays into it. And I will say apologies for, like, taking this roundabout way to answer your question. But again, there's always a lot to unpack. But essentially, can you gain in a way that is objectively healthier than other ways? Absolutely, you can. Are those resources made more readily available? Are they discussed? Not really. And to be fair, that's another thing that we try to cover on our podcast. We try to cover every different person approaching gaining in their different way. And feedism. We want to include people with heterosexual dynamics because as a same-sex couple, it doesn't, what does it mean for us to have fat sex? But as a heterosexual couple, what does that look like? Like gendered expectations of masculinity and femininity. What about wanting to have children? What about, you know, uh, onset of family and about those different things that happen and not understanding each other's bodies. There's all sorts of that will get wrapped up in. So to your point about health, for some people, it may be something worth considering because you may be someone who has a disability or a medical situation where you need to consider the things that you eat and how you consume your food and how you conduct your lifestyle based on things that will cause you to live an objectively happier, more fulfilled life because you will have less pain or less suffering in it, right? But that's all up to the individual and it's all up to how you want to do it. There are a lot of gainers who are into what we call death feedism, which is a primarily fantasy-based idea of gaining to the point where it kills you. The idea of being that thousand pound person who has a heart attack because they're so full of blubber that it kills them. And that's the fantasy element. 
but there is a real life element to it as well. And that's actually an element I do participate in, which is this. We as individuals, people in life, get reared to believe that we have to go through life to be remembered. If you reference, you know, there's an episode of Futurama where Bender's lost in space and there's like those little mold people growing on him and he wants to be remembered as a god and so they build a statue and it's all that, right? Like that's like a human thing that we all get reared to do. And therefore that's where a lot of that expectation of, no, no, remember, you're not allowed to be fat. You have to be thin because when you die, you should die thin because you want to be beautiful because you want to be remembered for being beautiful. You don't want to be remembered for being fat and therefore ugly or bad. You want to get a good job and you want to have lots of children so that your descendants will remember you and, and it's like your legacy. And the idea of death feedism is you basically say, I want to live my life in a way where the construct of death doesn't prevent me from doing things. It doesn't mean necessarily that I'm going to go and start guzzling oil if I don't want to do that, but it does mean that if objectively my lifestyle causes me to live a shorter life, but I am happier and fulfilled, that's not a bad thing. Because oftentimes we place this precedence on being healthy with the idea that, well, you've succeeded. If you live the longest life, you win the game. But there are plenty of people who live long lives that are miserable because they're alive and they would have probably been happier if they'd, you know, shuffled off a few years earlier, but had things done a little bit more happily. And I think that's a debate that we're all being made aware of because of things like COVID. Rethinking careers, rethinking how we conduct our lifestyle, our friendship groups, our careers, everything. And thinking, is it really about performing the way that society says we should? Or should we just do what we want if it makes us happy and objectively isn't hurting anyone? Maybe it's okay and maybe people should just calm down about it. And honestly, that just kind of comes back to why gaming is cool. Because doing it means you don't have to stress about body stuff and fat stuff. You just get to eat food as much of it as you like. You get to be in a body that's pretty sexy and honestly super comfy. Love being fat. Like winter nights here in London, my hands go between my thighs. Honestly, it's like the best toaster. Like nothing beats a bit of chub, honestly. And it's just like, you just get to feel sexy and have fun and be chill. It's great. Like join the gaining. You know, we want you, Uncle Sam, to get fat. That's like an American <laughs> meme, right? Like he's got the like the the white man with the curly hair and he's got like a top hat. Yeah. It was world I think World War Two propaganda for people to enlist or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, because you're gonna get fat, it's called proper hamda. Uh and we want you to get fat. <laughs> I'm joking. See, when I thought of this question, I was thinking of it more from a, a point of, okay, let's say, obviously, looking at just from a pure numbers point of view, calories in versus calories out, you consume more calories, that leads to weight gain. I was thinking of it more in the case of, okay, I'm going to consume 100 extra calories a night, for example. Let's just throw out a number. I don't know how much that would actually result in. We're just going to use 100 as an example. But then someone else might think, well, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to just sit here and I'm going to eat 10,000 extra calories. In theory, the moderation would be, again, I'm no dietitian. I'm just thinking, looking at it as a pure numbers point of view, how people say you shouldn't lose weight too fast. In theory, if you did it at a slower rate, it might be better. I don't know. Is that something you've thought about? Sure. I think some people, I think, are very conscious of that and make very direct choices as a result. For me, I've got the genetics where my body is trying to pull me back to your size, Sammy. My body wants me that size. And so for me, my weight gain journey is constantly pushing against that to transform my body to be something more like what I want to align it with, right? Like there is a relatable sense to the transgender experience in the sense that you oftentimes look in the mirror 
and you see the body reflected for you and you think this doesn't necessarily align with who I identify with. And so you go through the process of transforming or transitioning your body into one that is in alignment with that, right? So for people who are transgender, they use hormones. For gainers, we use donuts. But you use your relevant material to transform the body that you have into the one that is right for you. And I think you are correct in that there probably is some science around the rapidness of weight gain or weight loss. There's actually, again, referencing maintenance phase, an interesting study that shows if the more you gain and lose weight, like yo-yo diet, the more you break your metabolism. And so you know how there's like that stat that they say, like the average adult needs to eat 2000 calories a day or whatever, right? Yeah. They studied the people who went through The Biggest Loser, like the ones who like gained all the way back and then some. They found that their like reset bracket was reduced to 400 calories, which means if you go by the numbers of calories in versus calories out, if they ate more than 400 calories a day, they would gain weight because that's what yo-yo dieting can do to you. So there probably is some science around like what is healthy or what is objectively like better for you in terms of potentially other stresses it could do to the body to have rapid transformation. For me, I'm doing it low and slow like the slow cooker analogy. Taking my time, getting into my groove, and enjoying like the bear experience of it all as well. Like there is something to be said about going from being like the twink chaser to being the cub slash bear that gets chased. It's very nice. With what you said before about, you know, you've got to be basically a skinny corpse. I know when I was a fat kid, I was told, you know, you're perfect. What was the wording used? It was like your prime example for a child heart attack and shit like that. But then it became when I had full on had the eating disorder. I was then told, all you're doing is making yourself lighter for your pallbearers. You know, it's that argument of there's no way to win because what society is saying, when you're fat, you're wrong. And when you're thin, you're wrong. So really, is it about your body or is it about society saying we just don't like you yeah it's what it kind of comes down to and i think that's where fat people and people with eating disorders and disordered eating kind of like link together because we're all subject to this big society telling us that like fat is wrong and even if you're not in an objectively fat body people are still made to feel like they're fat like people will comment and say when i was a child i was told i was fat and then i looked at my childhood photos and i'm like i was barely chubby barely had anything you know a lot of people experience that and it's just the world putting shit on our shoulders that we don't need to bring it back around to you guys this is where what you guys are doing actually probably brings a lot of healing to people what i do links to gaining fetism and the fat experience and maybe you guys touch on that too outside of things like this but you probably provide a lot of healing to people who probably grew up feeling like their kink or fetish meant that they were broken or that their kink and fetish meant that they were an undesirable or a bad person or someone who should feel bad places like this create safety and an understanding that you are valid as you are and that's like the best free that you can have it's this instant weight of her shoulders where you just go I'm okay. And it's something you brought up in your first episode where you said, you know, people hate on fat people because they're a drain on the healthcare system. And it sort of goes back to the human nature of needing to hate on someone because it's the exact same people who are then shitting on unemployed people and being like, oh, my taxes are paying for all these people. When in reality, like, look at the receipts. I don't know if you've had to do an Australian tax return in a long time, but you get the receipts from the Australian tax office and it says, here's 
is where your tax money went. And it's such a small percentage that goes towards welfare. And yet, I'll be honest, I've been guilty of that too. Like when I worked back at the fast food restaurant, you'd get junkies that would come in every day and they treat you like absolute garbage. And admittedly, the thought did cross my mind, well, my fucking taxes are paying for you to bloody just sit on your ass all day. That comes back to also, they're the exception. They're not the norm. There are a lot of people that are just unemployed that just have had rough breaks and trying to do their best. And also the people that are on drugs and tweaked out of their minds, you don't know what they've gone through. 100%. You can never know someone's true story. And a point to be made there as well, things like welfare benefits, my taxpayer dollars are going for you to be on drugs and dealing with what you're dealing with. Like, maybe it is in that moment. But also, why can't your taxpayer dollars go to programs that actually help people rehabilitate? Because it's not uncommon knowledge now that places in Scandies, of course, it's always the fucking Scandies, uh, have figured out that it's a social problem. And so there's social rehabilitation that actually helps people get off drugs so much more quickly. And it's like, you can complain and say, I hate that my taxpayer dollars pay for you in your current situation. Well, why don't you petition your government to like change how those dollars are spent to a program that would actually be effective because then it's a win-win for everyone. And also there is no real stat that shows that like the cost of the healthcare system of fat people is actually exuberantly large. People will just give the dollar amount and leave it at that without any monetary context. It's like, what is it? The amount of money spent on the American military, like the police system is like $400 billion or something like that. And it's like, if you spent that on anything else, you would fix your entire country. And so when you exclude all that and you're like, this costs $3 billion, you know, oh my God, that's such a big number. But then it's like 400 billion for the military. Like, whoa, actually scale wise, you're missing some very big stuff here. And so I think statistic wise, the actual cost of like fat people objectively is not really as much as compared to things to do with drug rehabilitation or things to do with other medicalized procedures, things like cancer treatments or bone marrow transplants that no one wants to invest money in. So of course it ends up costing so much more and a lot of people deal with stuff, but no one's actually trying to help people. So it just ends up costing taxpayers more. And it's all stuff like that. Like when you start to unpick a lot of like science about things, it all kind of comes apart very, very quickly, basically. Yeah. I had a similar discussion with my in-law who are borderline MAGA, which is fucking ridiculous because we're Australian, but- Oh my God, that's so hot. I love that. They hate Biden, my in-laws. Anyway, one of them brought up, oh, Biden's got a $50 billion healthcare plan. And I was like, yeah, so it's like 2% of the military budget. I don't know the exact numbers, but it's just like <laughs> fucking anything to justify. Like we're in a fucking global pandemic. Get off it. It wasn't about like fat people being a drain, but it was just the healthcare, which I think was more of COVID related. It's that same mentality. Yeah. And then it's funny because it's like ironically, because it's like we're kind of pitting this against like the military. But no, yeah, it's like, I mean, we do have an inflated military budget here. It's just ridiculous. And 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 then for some reason, I mean, they just amp people up here to think that we need that. Like we need that <laughs> That military money. Fuck the poor people. Fuck like the immigrants. Fuck you know healthcare and education and all of those. We need military. Like we need all our money to go to whatever they're doing over there. And I'm not trying to make it a healthcare versus military, but you can look at any figure and in the right context, it sounds exorbitant. Yeah. Like it sounds astonishing. But when you compare it to that, it's not that much. <laughs> yeah. It's a psychological technique and I forget what it's called, but they mentioned this on the maintenance phase podcast where basically what a lot of people will do is they will take a simple stat and they will present it out of context and it's the way they present it. So they will say obesity is costing us this many dollars every single year. And of course, 
course you go, oh, that's outrageous because the way you've said it is so outraged. Therefore, this must be inflated and in comparison to other things, it must be really bad. But again, when you pull it apart, different story. Actually, a great example and relevant one to talk about here is y'all would have heard the stat that fat people are more likely to die from COVID, right? Yeah. Right. I'm going to explain to you why that's wrong. So essentially, this is a statistic brought about from the idea of hospitals being overrun, which is a horrible thing that is, of course, potential at any point in human history, right? Because hospitals will only ever have so many nurses, doctors and beds for people to lie in. And at the point in which COVID was becoming really bad, they were saying, we need people to stay home because if you go out and get COVID, there's no room at the hospital for you, which means despite having healthcare or you pay to have access to healthcare, you can't can't have it because too many people need it right now. So you will die. And in those moments, doctors need to make a decision. If they have two patients, they can only save one. Who do they save? And the reason why statistically they say fat people are more likely to die from COVID is because medical professionals are more likely to pick slimmer patients to protect from COVID because they believe that slimmer patients have a higher likelihood of surviving COVID, which is not based on any medical knowledge that COVID affects fat people at a greater rate, but it's based in medical fat phobia that a thin person is therefore better to save, more likely to save. They are objectively healthier based on no information that is actually valid. Therefore, the truth of fat people being more likely to die from COVID is not because fat people are more susceptible to COVID or because COVID affects your fat cells or anything bullshit like that. It's because doctors don't want to save fat people if they don't have to. And that's a really shit thing. It's a very different kettle of fish to say that than fat people are more likely to die from COVID. Like, it's all of that. And I, I apologize if I've been half on the political side of fatness throughout these episodes, but this is why I want to encourage listeners, you know, if you are a fat person or someone who knows fat people, which that's going to be everyone, all right? Like, you'll know, you'll know, everyone knows fat people. Like, please do some research into fat liberation and make yourself more aware of things like this because it helps us when we don't have a voice and when we're not included in the conversation. And it's probably going to help you understand how the systems of the world that are fat phobic also disadvantage you as well and how maybe if we all work together on that we could make shit better for everyone yeah absolutely look we're all in this together yeah. we all get our own fucking crosses to bear just we're all in this together <laughs> no I'm just... yeah no 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 we're not getting flagged for copyright <laughs> and of all the songs of all the musicals as well like couldn't have done something spray <laughs> you know okay well and then speaking of Zac Efron it's like that was something that when dad bod came up I thought of like how Zac Efron in the last like two years he came out with that thing on Netflix he's you know obviously a grown man now he's like in his 30s and I remember being so angry when like a lot of the coverage of that was oh Zac Efron with dad bod now and it's like bitch like do you see how fucking built he is like whose dad looks like that yeah it's like just because he's not a skinny little twink anymore he even talks about in the show like I remember he talks about in the show and he remembers when he was not allowed to eat carbs when he was a teenager doing high school musical and shit and like basically saying like how nice it is that he can and it's like he's still a very fucking fit man and everything but then people are basically calling him fat because he's not a twink anymore yeah we have such a skewed idea of what fat even is oh my god one that makes me so viscerally angry have you all seen uh wakanda forever the new black panther movie uh, no. no. Oh my god. Do you know who Tina Huerta is? He is the man playing Namor. Have you seen the photos of this man? So like, this man, this man is beautiful. 
people, right? And then people called him fat. They were criticizing why this man, who is so very much not the Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans-like ripped body, is being cast as, like, a fit person or something. Like, people are being wild. And I just think this man is so physically fucking beautiful. It makes me weep. And then you saying that even reminds you of the James Somerton video that, you, that you've been referencing because he talks about how Chris Evans doesn't even look like Chris Evans and, you know, his prime physique and that, like, he has to dehydrate himself for, I don't know, how long? 48 hours, I remember that. Like, all of that to make muscles look the way they do and, yeah, and then the fact that that's a standard. Just dehydrating bodies, because that's what looks sexy and healthy. Like, it's it's a gag. So, obviously, we know all about the growing now, but do you ever experiment in much bondage or participate in any bondage activities? I have done in the past. So, back when I was a twink, there was a time with a beautiful older man who uh, we engaged in rope play together and it was wonderful you know he came around to my uni dorm he had the rope and he said to me you know i know we discussed this but if you don't want to we'll put it away we don't have to do it but i was like no no no, i want to he was like okay and he had it pre-tied and he slipped me into it and then as he's putting it on me he says okay now i want you to test this push against here like this and do this and i could feel how it restricted me how i couldn't move and he had like this knot feature where if he grabbed it with his wrist and pulled it like my whole body just went up in the air and I was like woo this is kind of cool but then he also showed me how it was like if you put your arms in like this position the whole thing can like lift off so if at any point you freak out it's okay I was like great we did that and like as someone who like doesn't get off on being dicked down like I wanted to be dicked down in that moment and like I'm pretty sure I took it further than I'd taken it with my ex at that point I was like amazed where I was like I didn't know that I could do this or feel this and it really allowed me to feel like safe and cradled almost if that makes sense but it was a beautiful experience i haven't had the chance to do much bondage since then but if any londoners are listening i'd be down okay that was gonna be my next question so you would consider doing it again fuck yeah um obviously not the lifting part unless you are one of them like big old muscle builder guys because like i know 210 is not like the heaviest but it's heavy enough like don't do it to yourself like if you can't do it don't do it let's just cuddle me in bed instead but yeah totally do it again okay would you consider tying someone up then i'd have to learn but i'd absolutely be up for learning you know i i've said something similar in the past about engaging with men with vaginas i would absolutely be up for it but it would have to be a full disclosure i've never had the pleasure you are going to have to guide me through this because i don't know how to work with your kitten caboodle but if people are willing to uh work with me as we figure it out along the way i'm happy to put myself forward and i mean the amazing thing about restraint and bondage is you don't even need to know about like rope or anything because it's like you can use cuffs you can use leather restraints there there are different ways of like restraining somebody so it's not limited to just rope and things like that because i know a lot of people could get intimidated by rope because it's like oh i don't know how to do knots i don't know how to do you know these like waffle patterns or whatever with it but yeah even just taping someone's wrist or for cable ties handcuffs i mean obviously i assume you don't have handcuffs but they might yeah they might have handcuffs i think there is something also very sexy about like and i gotta say like following you guys i appreciate getting to see like bondage 
image kind of presented in such like a very sexy way because like a suited guy being all bound up or just like the Deliveroo guy getting all bound up. It's very interesting to see that subversion, like just a person in the world who you take that you plucked them out of normality and you've placed them in this like uh, sexually subverted space. I think it's it's hot, it's fun, it's playful. I see the joy in it. And I think that's like the thing I probably love the most about kink is that there is it's almost camp to do kink. Even as you're doing kink, you kind of know that this is like you're referencing a meme, like we're playing with this, but it's all kind of like up in the air and we know it's not real, but we're indulging in it. And it's all those things. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm like, it's funny that you say the replicating a meme thing, because I recently, you know, did like a bondage group thing with like several people. Um, we did one shoot where it was three guys dressed as Spider-Man. And then since we had three guys dressed as Spider-Man, we had them do the Spider-Man meme of them all pointing at each other. <laughs> yes. Yes, you fucking did. Oh, that's great. Oh, I love that. Okay, so this is a question that we ask every guest. Mm-hmm. Do you prefer donuts or bagels? Donuts? Do- well, actually, well, actually, hang on. I see what you're doing. Trying to pit the savoury and the sweet against each other. How very fucking dare you, sir? You know, I think much like all good sex, it depends on the place and the time. I love a treat any hour of the day. I don't think it's ever too early or too late for a donut. I think it's a treat and it's sweet and it's meant to be neat. But I think with a bagel, you know, because I, I, I love a good savoury moment. So, like, my bagel of choice is, you know, done lightly toasted. I want my salmon and cream cheese schmear, a good lemon and dill situation happening, and I want it heaped and I want it nice and wet because I feel like too often you get bagels that are like too dry and crumbly and then you're just like you got that cement mixer moment happening in the mouth and it's like you just need it a bit more like a bit more manageable that way. <laughs> but also I feel like I don't know about where you were in Australia, but bagels are just not really a thing here. Yeah, not really a thing. Okay, do you know what? I'm gonna share with you very briefly trauma that I've overcome from a gaining sense because my mother, I'm one of five kids, right? I'm, I'm the second of five. I'm the oldest of five. Oh, there you go. Uh, but my mum never wanted children and the quality of her cooking, I think, was indicative of the fact that she wanted to get that number back to zero. Like I grew up thinking that cups of tea had a naturally soapy taste, right? And I just thought that's tea for you. Until one day I noticed when my mum was like doing some dishes, she would like have the sink with hot water and soap and she'd use the wand and scrub it and then just set it on the drainer. <laughs> she wouldn't rinse it. So I was like, oh, that's why. That's why my tea tastes like so. Oh my God. <laughs> but also I definitely have one of those mothers who, if you'd cut your finger or been hacked off at the, at the elbow, her medical response would have been the same. Oh, just a bit of Vaseline, a bit of Vicks vapor rub. She'll be right. My mother's response to me eating shit on like a 30 meter hill while I'm crying at the bottom with like a cut knee was going, here's a teaspoon of concrete so you can harden the fuck up princess. She's a powerful creature, but she also doesn't like to cook, you know? And so I grew up thinking I hated donuts, that I hated cake, that I hated all sorts of things, that it's only by the advent of gaining that I've been like, I want to reclaim the Brussels sprout. I want to believe that I can enjoy a Brussels sprout. And then you look up a couple of recipes and you do some experimenting. And then I'm like, oh my God, plot twist. I can love Brussels sprouts. I just thought they were terrible. Now it just turns out she can't fucking cook. (laughs) So she'd even make her own donuts and they were just shit. No, well, to 
to be fair, she'd get like the Woolies donuts. You know what? I've got to come in defense of Woolies donuts. Their iced ones lately have been really fucking good. But now Woolies have started selling Krispy Kreme donuts for an exorbitant price. Well, they would do. Yes, they're $9 for a three pack. Like, no, thank you. But doing that, they're trying to phase out their home brand ones, which sucks because we just discovered them and they're our newest obsession. But it's probably a good thing because it's probably one of my indulgent foods. So get rid of them, please. (laughs) No, I have memories of like those fucking donuts and they were either from Coles or Woolies, like those really shitly made soggy cinnamon donuts, fucking just claggy. You couldn't even have them with a glass of milk. They just turned into cement. Hated it. Couldn't deal with it. Not a fan. As I say, I've had to come come to learn over the years how to cook and make my own and make it better and make it fabulous. Oftentimes I bring food into work, not because I'm trying to secretly fatten people up, but because I'm wonderful and I know that I cook great food. And I once brought in, I call it my fat soup. And I jokingly call it that because it's just creamy in color. And one of the girls who's like a fitness nut, she had a spoonful and I swear to God, she must have had an orgasm, the sound that came out because she looked and she went, mm. And then she had to ask me, James, how many calories is in this container? And I said, I love you and respect you. So I will not tell you how many calories, but I will tell you the calories. It was over a thousand calories per serving. <laughs> Cause I'm good like that. I know what the fuck I'm doing with my butter and my cream and shit, girl. <laughs> and I'm gonna taste good too. This is another thing, right? Like I get the meme about like white people not knowing how to season or flavor their food, not gainers who can cook. We play with the pantry. We play with the flavors and the spices and the herbs and the seasoning. And we create some good goddamn shit. Like it's the kind of food where like you may not be a gainer, but you gained 50 pounds eating my cooking and you're like, bitch, it was a delicious journey. That's the goal. <laughs> Actually, I remember there was a TikTok. My brother-in-law, who is Fijian, sent it to me. And it was, when do you think you have COVID? But no, your boyfriend's just white. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Though I will say, because like my one of my exes, he was like Moldy Fijian. And like I met his family on like Fijian Independence Day and I made the mistake of having grog. So you know that that fucks me. <laughs> Kara uh, root for anyone who does not know will get you done because they basically put it all in that hessian sack and they're like washing it in the sink and it just looks like dirt and you're like I don't know what this is then they put it in a cute little ornate bowl and they pass it around and they clap their hands and say bulla bulla and you're like girl we, we bulla bulla we're gonna we're gonna drink some shit I had two helpings of grog I was passed out I was gone that shit is deadly don't fuck around with the Fijians also like Polynesians they're just like bigger in the body they can process that shit I'm like a five foot seven five foot nine white dude this is not for me (laughs) so do you have any questions for us i want to ask you both prior to this episode what was your belief about gaining and feedism and after these couple of episodes and just chatting and going through just everything that there is to talk about what do you believe now that's different to that you didn't tell me there'd be homework you didn't tell me how to pay attention (laughs) (laughs) sorry now you gave me the chance to be the podcaster i'm like let me go in with the deep let me go in with my Oprah moment. (laughs) What's funny is I feel like a lot of my exposure to gaining and fetism and everything, and then it wasn't something I held against the entire fetish or community or anything for that, but it's like, I feel like the people I've been exposed to with it weren't very good people. And then so, you know, my understanding was very limited, like, because I know there was one guy, I met him as a bondage guy, like he was 
primarily into bondage. And then we lost touch for a few years. And then we got back into touch after a few years. And then he was still into bondage, but then he's really started getting into feeding. And I was like, okay, he explained it to me that he's into it and all of that. And I was like, cool, I'm not really into that, but you know, that's okay. Like whatever, I don't judge you. And then the thing was like, he would acknowledge like, okay, you're not into this, whatever. I'm not going to make you get into it. But then he would like slightly try to like get me to feed him of like, just kind of like, oh, I'm going to have dinner. What should I have? And how much of it should I have? And, you know, just try to sneak it in like a little like that. And then that just was like, okay, I kind of see what you're doing here. And I'm not, you know, I'm not participating in this and what, you know, whatever this is. But yeah, it's not anything I had against any of that. But then again, you know, he was one of the few exposures I had to the community. And I don't even know how much of part of the community he's in. He's probably into something, a completely different kink right now, now that years have passed. Yeah, so I mean, that was kind of my exposure to it. But I kind of like getting just such a, like a more level-headed perspective of it. And, you know, I have been fairly aware of general fat phobia as much as somebody who isn't, you know, big myself can be with it. And yeah, like, I feel like I just, I know a lot more about it than I did before. I mean, that's fair. And I, I, I appreciate that response and that candidness as well. You know, and I honestly, I, I hate to say that your experience probably isn't unique, again, because of internalized fat phobia and shame and all those other things. I think people's engagement with gaming and fetism and especially the kink side of things ends up skewing towards the more secretive. It's like, what's the thing that people say about like the most important part of your body to wash every time is your back for the number one reason, because you can't see it. You can't know what's going on back there. So you have to wash it every single time because you can't be guaranteed that things won't happen back there just because you can't see it. You'll forget about it. Same thing with that. And it breaks my heart to know that you've experienced that, but good that this is an opportunity that's been presented and there's hopefully been some healing in that regard. Yeah. What about you, Sammy? Admittedly, I did not know a thing about it beforehand. I can't say I'd ever really thought of it either. Like I had that friend who mentioned being put to bed and I thought, oh my God, I couldn't think of anything worse than being tied up with all that food in my stomach. But also I have that mentality of if I feel too full, there is that need to go and purge. So that's a whole nother issue. It's a lot of information to take in. Is it my thing? No, but it's something that I'm very glad to have learned about. An ironically heavy topic at times and in places. There is a question I am curious to ask because obviously you guys are about bondage. I think the reason why we actually got to talking is because y'all had mentioned you were maybe specifically looking to talk about this topic at some stage. Is that right? We've always kind of had the door open for like other forms of kink because it's like, I mean, obviously we're called the, the bondage gaze. So obviously bondage is like the main thing. And so I feel like we've always kind of been open to like other things like that. And even on Instagram, I think I follow like one or two feeders, growers, um, something like that. But then there's the more obvious side fetishes with bondage, like leather, rubber, you know, things kind of along those lines. Yeah, I don't think we'd ever specifically said about growing, but we were always on the lookout for new topics to talk about, especially pertaining to kink. Like there was nothing that we considered specifically off limits. I think that's totally fair. And thank you for having me on to have the opportunity to talk about this stuff because... There's a lot to talk about, and I'm obviously very passionate about it. In conclusion, is there anything else you would like to say to our listeners? Give your podcast a quick plug. So I'll say two things. One, you can find us at Thick Radio, anywhere you get your podcasts. That's thick with two C's because of course it is. Please feel free to tune into any episodes, reach out to myself or my co-host on Instagram, Beefy Frat, because we are always happy to chat shop. And the second thing I want to say, and I'm not trying to be all like woke by saying this, is as a white, mostly cis 
cis male. I find it such a privilege and an honor to get to express about my community and about my experiences, but I'd also really like to encourage listeners that if you are interested in learning more about gaining and feedism, to really make an effort not just to focus on like one category of person with one limited scope of experience, because I think if there's anything you can glean over these past couple of episodes, is that there's a lot to this topic. And that's just me saying stuff. So if you want to learn more, I would really encourage you to speak to people of color, speak to women, speak to people with disabilities, speak to as many different diverse people in this wonderful community as you can, because you are going to get the best impression of us and you are going to get the most well-rounded and informed idea of who and what we are. So just putting that out there. Well said. Thank you, James. All right, guys, that is it for our discussion on growing and feedism. Once again, we would like to thank James for joining us and sharing all of his amazing insight. Thank you, James. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. We've had a really great chat with you, so I really appreciate it. All right, guys, as always, I'm Sammy. And I'm Nat. Have a good one, guys.